After 32 years, I came out of the closet as a gay Christian pastor. Finally, on the outside of that suffocating prison, I'm looking around and I'm like, we can't stay here. It's not enough to become informed. We have to do something about the harm we're still witnessing within systems and spaces we've been loyal to for so long. It's time we become reformers. Hello, and welcome to Confessions of a Reformer. I'm your host, Mike Mayashiro, and this is the season three finale. Dun, dun, dun. It also happens to be Christmas Day when this episode is published. So if you celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, Happy Monday. <laughs> um, this episode is specifically going to be centered around the American Christmas, like Christian Christmas experience, because that's how my life was lived for up until a few years ago. Um, and I want to treat this episode kind of like a journal entry, um, minus the narcissism, hopefully, um, or self-centeredness that might come with that, um, because I think a lot of people are experiencing some of what I'm going through right now, um, and I don't know that there's a ton of commentary around this experience, and I also hope, you know, in hindsight, or like, sorry, in big picture, that history can look back at my moment, and that things will have changed in my current experience, but right now, um, you know, they're not awesome. I'm not depressed, um, my life doesn't suck, but when it comes to what Christmas used to mean to me and what I used to experience around this holiday and what's happening now, I would say my experience is like a lot sadder <laughs> than it used to be. Now, when it comes to my intellectual honesty and like being grounded in reality, um, I'm in the best place I've ever been. But um, emotionally, relationally, like, yeah, I think Christmas has become, I would say devolved into something not so magical and not so super bullish for me anymore. Uh, so I kind of want to just like poke at some of that, unpack some of it. Hopefully it's relevant and like can also potentially validate some of your experiences because I think a lot of us, here's the deal. I think a lot of us were raised in evangelical culture, right? Like our parents took us to church and we learned all the things, which includes especially the Christmas story, Jesus' birth, the wise men, the nativity, the angels, you know? Um, the king of the world, first Noel, all that, all that. Um, and so then there's this like romanticism and intensity focused around the celebration of the birth of Jesus. And then obviously, of course, there's the Christmas tree and the presents and the family gatherings. And some of you who are lucky enough, Santa and elves and, you know, reindeer and all that, which Santa wasn't allowed in my household because we were evangelical and Santa was evil. So... Um, you know, there's that. But anyway, so all that to say, I was raised um, with like this rose-colored lens of like Christmas being a magical time of family connecting and presents are being given. And, you know, Santa potentially is like just around in the Christmas spirit of things. But then more specifically and more focused and more importantly, you know, growing up, Jesus was born on this day. It's the birth of Jesus, right? And as my faith became more real to me in my late teens, that's when Christmas also took on a lot more of an intense, like deeply personal and spiritual like significance. Like I would weep. I remember, and I've said this before in other podcast episodes, like around Christmas, I would weep at just the idea of like what Jesus represented to me, right? And I can look back on those experiences because I don't Okay, let me just say this. There's so many layers to all this. Um, I don't believe that, that, oh God, I don't believe that the Jesus story that we read in the Bible is what happened. 
Um, and not because I don't want to, like I, that was a nice story. Like, believe me, as I'm like on this, at this point of my deconstruction, I like think back to what it was like to, like the feeling I had, believing what I did, what I was told my whole life. And it was a nice feeling. So I want to just acknowledge, like there are things about the evangelical Christmas theology that I was taught that like I miss on an emotional level, right? From a sentimental place. I don't miss the lack of information and the superstition, the bigotry around all of that narrative. I do miss the camaraderie, right? Of firstly, of like belonging to a community of people who believe so intensely about a very specific interpretation of these ancient texts. Um, I miss the allure of, in one sense, I miss having this savior that came to like, take on accountability on my, on my part and like liberate me from my, you know, quote unquote sin and the ways that I'd fallen short and like contributed to harm in the world. And that, you know, somewhere, somehow someone else was going to come and make everything right. Like I miss that narrative and the feeling that came with it in some ways because man, that's nice, right? Just like Santa is such a nice story. It's so much fun. Um, and just has such like wonder and possibility built in. But, but <laughs> a few years ago, as I started intensely deconstructing and doing the due diligence of like looking into where did these texts come from and why did the authors write what they did and what did they mean by that? And what was, what would their audience, what would their intended audience have read and how would they have understood what was written and communicated and bigger picture? What was the context for why these, you know, pieces of the story were put together and woven together on purpose and why did there, why were there contradictions and why did the stories go differently and and that there were reasons for all this, right? Like that these people weren't lying or crazy. Like they had purpose and imagery and culture that they were weaving into the storytelling around the significance of Jesus. And then, you know, Western, you know, divorce from Jewish understanding of these texts takes, like appropriates these texts and then reads them literally and turns them into like historical fact in their imagination, right? And then built a whole culture and it's like ceremony, and holiday around this fictitious understanding of somebody's birth story. Um, I'm a Grinch now, apparently. <laughs> um, and I don't want to be, like, that sucks, right? But, like, I don't believe what I've been told my whole life about, like, the story of Jesus' birth and Christmas anymore because I've seen a lot of evidence in, like, the work of historians, academics, like, scholars not my pastors, right? Um, exposing, like, here's the actual deeper understanding of how we un interpret these ancient texts. And so that has drastically changed my relationship with Christmas on a theological level, right? So my deconstruction process has so altered <laughs> what Christmas means to me and how I relate to it on a personal level in my beliefs, which was such a big part of what Christmas was for so long. So that's sad, and I don't know that I've, like, fully mourned the loss of that. So for those of you who, like, that's kind of, you're kind of coming upon that, you're in the middle of it, you remember that, like, yeah, that's a thing. And I just want to just give everyone permission to whom this is appropriate or, like, relevant to. There is, you know, there is loss and an appropriate grieving that comes with, like, no longer having those beliefs. Um, and it just feeling so strange that, like, you don't want to do this to yourself or to anyone else, but you also don't have a choice based on what you know now. You can't, like you know, put the, the toothpaste back in the tube. Like it's, it's out now. Right. And we have to like move forward and process and deal. 
it's very adult to have to do this, right? Okay, so there's that, right? And that's like a major component, which also creates a pretty significant, significant rift um, in my relationship with my parents and Christmas because my parents are still deeply evangelical and their theology has, is unchanged from like a long time ago. And the more educated I become and the more informed I've become and the more work I've done, the further away from them I've gotten theologically, which has impacted our personal connection, right? Like, I think I've now been seen a bit like as, a, as an other by my parents, which is like a dehumanizing experience and really sucked. And by the way, just like, let's acknowledge, I haven't even brought up the queer part of this, <laughs> the fact that their son is gay. Um, that's obviously, of course, an even more impactful like layer to this. But even apart from that, if I was straight and had gone through the deconstruction journey I've gone through and like maintained the authenticity and transparency with my parents that I've had my whole life, there would still be like a significant rift. I would be a traitor, right, to my upbringing and the things that they hold most sacred. And so that's painful. So Christmas then, you know, creates opportunities for tension and like miscommunication and misunderstanding and feeling like a, a lack of belonging or connection with people who are important to us, right? Because our beliefs are so fundamental to our worldview and our values. And so we have these people that matter to us who don't agree with our, like some of the most important things in our lives. Like there creates this tension, right? And this like conflict. So I'm in the middle of that with my parents. Um, and unfortunately, it seems like the biggest solution on their end is to not talk about it. Which sucks. Can I just also acknowledge that sucks. Like having people who are important to you decide that the most like functional way to handle your evolution and growth and things you've discovered and learned that have been so impactful in your life that really matter to you, that the solution to that is to pretend like it didn't happen. That is so frustrating and like disrespectful and dysfunctional and so common. Like I, man, it's common, especially like even in my work with queer people to have to navigate like parents doing this whole erasing thing, like pretending like <laughs> this significant part of someone's reality doesn't exist. Like, like evangelicalism has just so primed their culture and people to have this like magic wand option where if you don't like something, if someone is quote unquote deceived because they believe something you don't, that your indoctrination system has taught you to believe and they don't agree, like you simply wave the wand of denial and you just erase that part of their life, <laughs> part of their experience, the validity of you know, how they got to their conclusions and what justification or substantiation they have for it. Like it all just gets to disappear and you get to continue to live in what I would acknowledge as a denying, like a denial fantasy superstitious type existence where you are now curating the kinds of humans who get to exist in your world. You know, like you're like selective and exclusive and like, you're picky and the, the crazy privileged entitled nasty part of this is you feel totally fine imposing this on everyone. This supremacist, like I don't have to deal with you if you don't agree with me. As, if that happens, I always have the option of simply erasing that part of you and I will just continue to control the narrative around what this actually is and means in our relationship. And it's like a lot of this is actually like abusive tactics. Um, that people don't mean to do, which is kind of inherent in the culture, but like that's all deeply problematic. And I don't want to get lost on that because I could talk on that for a long time. It's so awful. 
and very real and something that I'm currently having to navigate with my parents and I don't know what the solution for that is, right? So there's that, that sucks. And if that's something you're experiencing as well, if the main way that your relationship with your family members, whoever they are, is working is because you guys just don't talk about it, I want to just acknowledge, like, I don't think that's functional and that's sad. I understand why we do it. I get it. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't happen, that it's not worthwhile, but that sucks. It's like, that shouldn't have to happen. So there's that. God. Merry Christmas. <laughs> and then the other part of this for me, which again, like I think some people will relate to this and maybe others won't, but like I'm gay and I came out and I stopped lying about that, to, you know, and especially with my parents who are evangelical. And so then that's been another added layer of difficulty and probably the biggest strain on our relationship. And then especially that impacts then Christmas. Like I used to go home for Christmas, like Thanksgiving and Christmas every year. And then eventually it was just like Christmas let alone other times I'd visit. I used to visit my parents as an adult, right? Like four times a year-ish, like pretty regularly. I think I was visiting them more than either of my siblings. Um, and now, like I didn't go home for Christmas. Or, sorry, I didn't go home for Thanksgiving. I'm not going home for Christmas. Um, and it's not because I don't want to be there. Sorry, that's, yeah, it's like, not that. It's, I, being there would cause harm to me. Um, I, I don't, I'm not willing to subject myself to being treated like significant parts of my, my life and my personhood and my reality don't exist. And right now that's the best my parents have to offer. Um, and so this is like the journal entry part of my process. Like I hope that my parents get to a point where they can quote unquote do the work and recognize the ways that their parenting has been harmful to me as a queer person, that their religion has been harmful to me as a queer person. The way that they've specifically as individuals related to me around my sexuality has been harmful to me as a queer person. Like, I hope they get to a point where they can at some point acknowledge that, which literally none of that has happened yet thus far. Um, not an apology, not an acknowledgement. None of that has happened, um, right? That's too much to ask right now. Um, so theologically, they still believe I'm potentially going to hell, probably going to hell. They won't say that to my face, but they believe that. They believe that I'm deceived, right? That I'm being dragged away by the rainbow parade or whatever. Um, culturally, there's just such a huge rift. Uh, they are very right-wing conservative politically. And so you know, they, they see this as an, another layer of betrayal. I have stepped outside of the community of people they identify with, who they think are you know, God's remnant or the sanctified holy priesthood you know, the chosen of God in the world. Like, I've stepped out of that. And so now I'm, you know, their son, whom they love, is the enemy. Like, what? Surprise. What kind of love are you capable of now, right? Like, and I'm not loving the results of that journey. Um, so there's that too, that added layer of, like, my sexuality doesn't fit into their worldview and, like, the things that they value. And so I don't want to be around them right now. Like, I don't want to subject myself to being treated in the microaggressions and the erasure that my parents have learned to protect their worldview with, right? Like these practices, these what? These tactics and practices, these practices <laughs> um, are harmful. And I'm, yeah, I just like, I know too much and I'm now too accountable to myself to like willingly choose to subject myself to being treated like that anymore. And so I'm not with my parents for Christmas. And like, I'm also currently no contact with my mother, which sucks. And I'm not trying to blast her. Like, she has her version of this, right? And if she had a podcast, she could share it. And I would be like, great. And we could fight about it. But um, right now, I'm not really, I don't 
know what to say at this point in my relationship with my mom because I'm not going to continue with the way things have been and trying to have conversations around this has been like pulling teeth and I feel like I'm dealing with a child and it's like really confusing and difficult and painful um, and so I currently am just like kind of on, a, on hold because I'm at a loss. I don't know what to do. And I'm not saying these things to humiliate my mom or to expose her, but I'm also no longer going to be protecting these nasty tactics of like straight privilege, evangelical, elitist, abusive tactics. Like those things I will no longer be complicit with. So I am going to expose. This is really happening. This is going on and it's awful. And, and I'm going to get off of this train because I can get really mad <laughs> and like talk about it for a long time as well. So I'm going to let that go. But like, that's currently where things are. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to go home for Christmas. And like, that sucks because then there are other family members that I don't, that I, I'm not around, right? Because of that. And I look like the a-hole. I look like the difficult one who is causing problems or whatever. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not, that's not true. I don't care who thinks that and how that gets spun. Like that's factually incorrect. And I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go out of my way to like correct everyone for, to make sure they think what I think they should be thinking. But I'm not the bad guy here. I'm not the one who betrayed this. I was, I was born into a world that was going to betray me from the get-go. And I just happened to finally say yes to me. And my parents haven't figured out how to do that. Um, and so I have, to, and I have to spend a lot of emotional and cognitive labor to like hold these values that I've had to like discover. Um, because if I don't fight for this, I, there is a whole world and ecosystem that wants to undo all of that progress and all of that humanizing and all of that validating of my reality. They, like, they want to suck me back into a place where I just get closeted and erased and my voice and story get spun according to their narrative and what they are comfortable with and what they want to see happen about, right? Like it's so toxic. And so, um, yeah, I'm currently just at a loss in terms of like, how do we move forward? Um, so the boundary is like, yeah, we're not talking right now. Um, and I hope that changes. I, and I believe that it will. I think I actually believe that. I don't have any reason at the moment that's like compelling me to believe it. I'm going off of things I know about my mom, you know, um, so we'll see. So there's that. And so for those of you who are in similar situations or like worse even, like I want just to acknowledge like I am sorry. This sucks. And in all reality, like we shouldn't have to be dealing with this. Like there should not have been a religion that infiltrated our culture that like dehumanized our parents to the point where they couldn't help but dehumanize us, like that sucks. And they are victims of an indoctrinated system that does not have our best interests in mind. And it's opposed to humanity, right? And elevates a different idea or ethos that actually erases a part of who we are. <sighs> and it's sad. And my parents are victims of it. And I was for so long. And it is costly to like step out of that stuff, right? Like, ugh. So it's just a complicated mess and it sucks. And I look forward to the day that this changes for everybody. And then there's one more layer I wanted to add to this. <laughs> this is a Christmas episode. <laughs> the other layer, which I think takes into account a little bit of deconstruction, especially the sexuality piece, and then also generationally, I know so many people around my age who are having very... And then I have, I'm, I have friends who are around my parents' age who are expressing the opposite end of this dynamic. Um, my parents... Uh, not just my parents, like people's parents that I know who are like around the same age as my parents, like exhibit a, we would use the word strange inability to engage on an emotionally healthy, emotionally responsible, emotionally intelligent conversation 
So their ability to even take responsibility for ways that they've caused harm, that they've contributed to like significant conflict in our relationship, um, is like low to non-existent. Like they have so much. I don't know what I. Yeah, I don't want to talk about this. Like I know what's going on. Um, some of my thoughts here is like perhaps access to mental health care, right? Like like therapy and other options that we've had of different versions of therapy and counseling and. And also the destigmatizing of mental health challenges. Like my generation has had such a better go at that than my parents' generation did, right? And then I don't know how much of our own brain formation and you know like aging out of processes or like the ability to change and the elasticity of our brain and neurochemistry and all that. Like those are factors, right? But like our jet parents' generation sometimes just exhibit such an obstinate lack of ability to respond, to listen, to exhibit empathy, to take ownership, to apologize, to be held accountable. Like it's so low to non-existent that so many of us have to either choose to forego things we've learned to value and prioritize, um, like ignore those things in order to have a relationship with them or cut them out, right? And, and so to try and figure out which is which and what's best and to what measure, you know, and like the navigating the in-between spaces of all that is a lot of work and it's taxing. And guess who's doing most of that labor? Uh, yeah, this, my generation. We're doing so much. We are having to compromise so much more from an informed place of like actively choosing to sacrifice or forego or compromise things we deeply value for the sake of relationship, right? And compassion. Whereas I think on our parents' end of things, it seems like their biggest cost here is... I don't get it and I just have to like adjust to how you react and hopefully we can just have a good time. And it's, I, I don't know that there's a ton of like detailed comprehension around what's going on or maybe our parents are just withholding what they actually believe because they know it would cause like even more problems. <laughs> but like there's such a rift there. Um, and so that feels like also just an added layer of adding to the contribution. What? Contributing to the conflict around Christmas being a fun time of the year, right? And so like chosen family has become such a theme in my life. Um, there's a part of the whole like notion of chosen family that bothers me. Like it feels temporary or conditional. And like, I, I don't want to lose the idea that like, you know, that people have of like, well, family is family. It doesn't matter, fill in the blank, whatever our issues or differences are, we're still going to quote unquote love each other. But as a queer person who's deconstructed, you know, from being a former Christian minister, like in professional ministry, like, I'm not sure that our definitions of what loving each other look like are the same. I'm not sure that someone's like loving us despite our differences actually is experienced as love on my end, right? So there's a lot of this to have to unpack. And so to like be asked to ignore a lot of this in order to come have like a fun celebratory holiday with people that I feel so misunderstood by. Um, is a lot. It's not fun, you know? It's actually more taxing than to not have the holiday. So I made a choice somewhere along the way that, like, if it's not, like, life-giving for me, I'm not going to do it. Like, I'm not going to do anything out of obligation in this space anymore. It's going to come out of, like, my own desire for connection and value for, you know, our relationship. At, and we're not going to be letting people be violated or harmed in the process. Um, so right now... It's, there's a lot of distance on my end of all this. Again, I'm looking forward to this being different, but that's where it is right now. Um, so 
there's a bit of like loss and mourning around holidays. And I do, do, I do find a sense of comfort in the fact that I'm not the only person experiencing this. If I was the only one, I'd be like, okay, what's wrong with me, right? I'd be looking inward and trying to like figure out what my problem is. Um, but I know a lot of people who, I know, especially, okay, I know a lot of gay men who like literally don't go home for Christmas. Like they spend Christmas time with their families before, after another time of the year and during Christmas, like the Christmas day and other parts of the month, they're like literally somewhere else. Like I know people who do that. And to me, I'm like, what, what are you thinking? But I'm looking at myself and I'm like, how is what I'm doing any different than what they're doing? They're just like honest about it. And they've just embraced that. And they're like, you know, going to another country or like going and doing this vacation activity rather than doing a family thing. But it's like the result of that erasure and that refusal to be acknowledged as a person and like treated equitably in the family dynamic. And so I get it. Um, but it just it was like unfathomable, unfathomable to me and unrelatable the first few times I started hearing that people lived like that. And now I'm like, oh God, I get it. And I was like, is that my future? Um, and I, I don't know. I don't want that to be the case, but I also don't have control over how, you know, other people participate and I also just am like aware, like I have a refusal in me to subject myself to things that I actually am not aligned with. And I think that's stronger in me than, than a lot of people that I know. And so sometimes my standards come, a lot, come across a little more rigid and maybe black and white. Um, and I think that's true in certain ways. And I think that needs to be true, especially in some of these areas of my life that I spent decades like being a co-conspirator in my own diminishment. Like I got to correct that. And so I don't negotiate around some of that stuff anymore. <laughs> I'm just like unloading. Um, so my point in all this, in like these different layers, is Christmas has become, in my 30s, like complicated. It's political, it's religious, it's like human rights centered. Like there are other things that get built into this fun holiday. And now like Christmas means something else than it used to. <sighs> and so I, I am mourning the loss of some of the things that I don't, I don't get to experience anymore. Um... And it's hard not to like interpret some other people uh, who still experience delight and joy around the Christmas stuff with family. I'm like, is that because like you're healthier than me? Is that because you're in, in denial? Because you're not doing the work? Because you're not conscious of ways that there's actually misalignment? Is that because you're straight? Like there are all these variables and like, you know, the temptation to compare, like why is this my experience? And some people that's not, right? Um, but I think a lot of us have the experiences I'm describing here and we just don't talk about it a ton because we have people around us who that's not their experience and they're going to defend the tradition and the ritual and the theology and the, you know, love your family more than you love yourself kind of stuff. And, uh, and I just can't do any of that anymore. Um, so anyway, listen, if that's you in whatever area slash layer of what I've expressed here that you relate to, I just want to acknowledge you're not alone. There are a lot of us out here who are navigating this stuff and it is painful. And the directions and the depths that these, this pain goes is like boundless. And we don't even know to how far and what degree the pain that we're capable of feeling even goes. And for a lot of us, we're functioning because we're not feeling it. We're not letting ourselves actually like let it touch us in that vulnerable place of admitting that it hurts and that we want something else. And we wish fill in the blank, like the disappointment that comes from like the silence that expressing the wish for something else just adds to the already existing pain. And so sometimes the functionality of this is simply to ignore it, to not feel it, to not acknowledge it. Um, 
and that's also valid. Listen, if you're not in a place where you can actually like work through this and it can go somewhere for, like constructive and functional for you, then like, yeah, stay there. That's fine. I get it. And hopefully at some point you get to like face that stuff. But man, this is painful and complicated. And it's Christmas. <laughs> Shoot. Um, so for Christmas, I am, I'm in Nashville. And so I'm with my sister and brother-in-law and my niece and nephew and my buddy Marcus, and we all do life together, and so we're doing Christmas together, and we're having a friend come over, and whatever else will spontaneously come up from that, and we've got, oh, let me just throw in as well, like, we do the Christmas thing, right, we've done that every year, I love it, um, I used to suck at giving gifts, or at least I would say that out loud, and my younger sister would be like, I don't think that's true, I think that you decided that somewhere, but, you know, you've always given me great gifts, I'm like, that's, okay, fair, um, but this year, I think I've made the most progress, um, in terms of being a gift giver, my Christmas shopping is done as of a week ago, which I'm proud of. Like everything that I'm giving for gifts is in my possession except for like two items, I think. And so I'm going to start the wrapping journey. Oh, what? <laughs> You're hearing this on Christmas Day. So listen, I um, have experienced like progress in that area. But it also I wonder if like my ability to feel better about gift giving is like directly impacted by like distancing myself from relationships that don't feel safe, you know, and like being able to like think more simply and like focus on the, the areas that I actually have genuine connection. And when it's just that and not this whole like wall of humans that I'm supposed to like come up with stuff for that I haven't talked to in months, like it's a different story. So like maybe that's a part of it, but anyway, I'm very excited about our Christmas time that we're going to spend together. Um, and it's like weird to think about like, the future, right? And like, is this sustainable? And will I have this again? And is this the last year we're doing this? Like, I don't know. And like, that sucks. <sighs> I don't know. Um, I think my whole caveat in all of this is I hope that in the 2024 Christmas episode, if I do one on my podcast, I hope I'm saying something different than what I'm saying right now. But at this point in 2023, this is a timestamp. This is where my life is. This is where my relationships are. Ugh. And there's a big like lamentation in the midst of it. Um, so listen, if that's you, like, you're not alone. Merry Christmas. And if you don't celebrate Christmas, but that stuff's all true anyway, like, fist bump, you know? Like, my God, it's a lot to be human <laughs> in 2023. All right, everybody, that, that's a wrap. Like, you know, um, hopefully what I'm sharing here, you know, like, we can acknowledge this stuff sucks and it's painful. I have a ton of hope. Um, and regardless of how things work out with these specific relationships I'm talking about, I will have life-giving safe, beautiful connections. I mean, I do. It's just not necessarily with the people that I, was, that I assumed my whole life would, it would be with. Um, but I have a ton of hope here, right? Like, I'm not depressed. I don't feel, like, at a loss for, like, possibility. I just don't know what to do with some of it right now. And I'm trusting that as I evolve and as the road, like, unfolds and as people go further down their journeys, I'm anticipating that things will change, you know? And maybe that's just my naivete talking. Time will tell. Oh, God. Anyway, thanks for being here with me. Thanks for you know, joining me on this season of this podcast. I appreciate all of you listening and being part of this. Um, please remember to like, comment, share, rate, all the things. I appreciate it. And I will see you. Um, so I'm going to take a few weeks off break-wise. So there'll just be like a few weeks of me not publishing a new episode. And then we're going to pick it up. 2024, I've got some fun ideas that I'm looking forward to trying some new stuff. Um, Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. I'll see you in the new season. Listen, there's more where this came from. If you want to dive deeper, check out MikeMyFShiro.com.